I'm ready to get going. If you guys are ready. Well, I mean, I, I'm sorry I kind of blew my load on this on uh, a previous opener because uh, I mean this with all sincerity. Let's choke this orphan. Uh, dude, I tried to actually, like, I, I sent you a message earlier, Savage, uh, that was like, gird yourself. Uh, because this one actually does feature orphan hearts. Yes, really. <laughs> like, the, the, this is the orphan heart episode everyone has been waiting for. Well, and it also actually, uh, and when we get there, I'll, I'll definitely point it out, but it's one of my favorite Dean lines ever delivered uh, coming up. Well, let's not uh, let's not choke our orphan too soon. So, <laughs> let's go ahead and launch into tonight's totally orphan-powered, spectacular episode. is Conjectural Technologies, a venture industries podcast. I'm your host, the inimitable Brock Savage. With me, as always, is my longtime companda, the Baron B. Slimode. And we are joined, as always, by our resident den denizen of Dinner Theatre, a man for whom that broken leg is just halfway to a good night in. The villain. You know, I really feel like I should come up with those before the night. I'm like, I'm always just winging them. And I feel like this is such. You a... ruined the magic. I had no idea. I've been wondering this entire time. Is he just like putting the pauses and delays intentionally? All right. Now I see how it all works. No, I am legit. Just, <laughs> oh, I, man. I am making it up as I go. And I am relying on my tech theater background to help me come up with things. I'm trying to like, okay, broken leg. Like for a minute there, we had the sneeze guard thing. Like that was kind of cool. <laughs> like making it oh, okay. uh, see i think i would have gone with like something more like uh to whom like yeah uh villain, a man for whom statler and waldorf are old drinking buddies um or perhaps villain, a man for whom the bell tolled <laughs> and that's b-e-l-l-e -L -L -E. i'm just gonna well, let you actually, guys get back I, guess... I like these I guess for whom the bell tolled could also be the Harvey Weinstein memoir. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, too okay. You got a Clarence Thomas joke you want to throw in there while we're at it? <laughs> uh, her, what wasn't Anita's last name Dickens? Hill, was it, or is that me getting my real life confused with comic book life? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're you're one hundred percent correct. Now, actually, I got to tell you, uh, Anita Hill, ballin'. Uh, that woman caught an interview with her a couple years ago, and it just like 
completely reaffirmed uh, how messed up it was that that whole situation played out the way it did. Like, what a spectacular stand-up human being she was, and continues to be, I imagine. Um, so tonight we are looking at episode production number 104, originally airing on September 4th, 2004, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Magic. And this will be the first of our Dr. O block. And we are tentatively calling this block Dr. O. Really? <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay. Uh, coming up with the spot, on the, coming up with this one on the spot. Uh, Dr. O face. Uh, how about uh, um, Dr. OG? Or. You know, I got to tell you, I, I I don't know. We'll have to. You know what? Actually, I mean, we might go for just the 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 straightforward, uh, you know, kind of snappy um, descriptor. Because what is Doctor O really? Uh, I mean, he is he is, he is the uh, divorced single parent uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, I was gonna say like you know, uh, single dad Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange meets Mister Rogers. Okay, uh, I like equal, it. I, yeah, they, equal you know, parts like Doctor that. Strange, equal parts Mr. Rogers. I like Doctor Strange meets Mr. Rogers. I, I, I can run with that. Strange sad tales. Uh, Strange sad tales. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know what? He's the kind of guy who owns a copy of the book Microwave Cooking for One. Oh. <laughs> oh. And he's, he's actually used it. He's like, I will try the rotini! <laughs> or man, like, yeah, what would be the, uh, I guess, like, the magical tome equivalent of that? Like, you know, uh, solo necromancy. <laughs> I, yeah, I gotta tell you, is necromancy one of the things you want to do as part of a group? Or is that kind of like traditionally kind of like a loner thing? I know Dr. O's wife left him for a young necromancer, but like, is necromancy one of the things, like, are there necromancy groupies? Like, is that how that happens? Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's hard to say because we don't know about much about the character of his wife because all you do is see her, you know, look bored holding a wine glass uh, 85% of the time. Uh, um, I, we have seen her tortured in the in the previous episode that we covered. Yeah, we've seen Halloween. her uh, devour some pleasure toast. If, yes, please you. Well, it always well, seems like all the uh, <clears throat> the like the black magic guys who have the group. It's like an occult kind of a thing, where they seem to kind of dabble in all kinds of magic. But when it's like a necromancer, like you call in the necromancer, he seems like a, a, a solo figure. Um, I, I don't see them having the groupie thing because then, like, look at uh, the one only got a wife. Uh, there's no extra groupies really hanging <laughs> on to the outrider. Um, so he's using like the so Doctor O is using like the Necromicon uh, Necronomicon Necronomicon soup for the soul, or like Necronomicon oh. Volume Two, like <laughs> ne Necronomicon uh, Second Printing Forward by Chris Angel. <laughs> <laughs> With a new appreciation by uh, the guy who does magic for Susan's. Instead of like the Scarlet Grimoire, you know, it's like the, it's like the, the blue Grimoire. It just no, wait, it wait. makes a you, weeping sound when you open the pages. You're, you're going to go with Grimoire? 
I thought it was Grimoire. I'm going to go with uh, Savage on this one. I've always heard it that way. You know, like, I, I'm going with the so most unnecessarily like. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm having somebody from the theater give me <laughs> lessons on how to pronounce words. You have to enunciate. <laughs> Put the emphasis on the right syllable. So it, uh, it's pronounced Grimoire. W H A R. Like Grimoire. War. I love the it. it's, it's, it's also as a book of spells. It is a textbook of magic, and in my head, with the second it said textbook, I just I immediately saw how this was laid out. Like it's a big book. It's got pictures of like all magic around the world, like children <laughs> high fiving with magic. Like welcome to the exciting world of magic. And it's like it's, there's it's, a picture of there's a picture of Hogwarts somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like I. I I can see this like grimoire. What what did you call it? A grimoire, 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 grimoire. Yeah, like an armoire. Yes, yes, yes. French. That makes perfect. What's sense. the most obnoxious way to pronounce a word? Like French. that's how I do anything. Like if I know it's a French word, like I don't say entrepreneur. I entrepreneur. They're like, what's wrong with you? I'm speaking French. Oh. <laughs> The perfect like way to fake French is just ignore the last half of the word. So I think that you're you are spot on here with a grimoire. Grimoire. Um, just wah. give up halfway through the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like and and it's like a not life really is, emotic language. So it's like, life um, is too long to pronounce whole word. <laughs> <laughs> being said let's go ahead and introduce this episode by running through our intro this episode originally airing 16 years ago and a month and 10 days ago uh is so what you're saying is this episode is too old for rudy giuliani (laughs) i'm topical <laughs> Finger meat pulse. <laughs> oh, wow! You know what? When you said meat, my initial thought was M E A T, not M E E T, and I like it. Just to, it, I, I thought it was so much worse than it was after I realized. <laughs> Roomy hips, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have some taste. I have a little taste. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> so. This is the first opportunity that we get to meet Dr. O. And before we launch into this episode proper, why are we looking at Dr. O? Uh, because, I mean, he is a uh, big part of the Ventureverse um, in terms of a, 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 you know, kind of a supporting character. Um, we just uh, got done recording the Halloween episode. Um, so really, like, if you've seen that Halloween episode and, and you know, kind of listened to the, the previous episode of our, our podcast here, um, you really get a good sense of, of what magic he brings to the show. Like, he really represents Doc Hammer's love of Marvel comics and, you know, Doctor Strange in particular. And, you know, second, I love the, the grounded reality of middle-aged Doctor Strange. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's something like magical about it. Uh, 
in, in its own way. And I love Stephen Rattazzi's performance. Like everything's over the top and like, you know, just the, the most dire of consequences. I know. And, Jeez. That that scene we're gonna get a little bit later. It's like there are four puddings in the fridge. You may avail <laughs> yourself of one of them. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I, I know that if I lived with him, that would get real old real quick. But like being buddies with this guy must make the world incredible. Like, all right, hey, uh, Doctor O, would you like to go out and get a yogurt? And that's just the best 30, 45 minutes of your life. Like he's putting people in homies. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's, you know, over explaining the toppings and why dairy is bad for you. It thickens <laughs> the membranes. Like, um, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's a super solid character. And uh, as a dad, it's really refreshing to see somebody putting in the effort uh to be a good dad on yeah, this show. Especially, uh, especially in the Venture Brothers, which is Legion with its horrible father figures. And <laughs> Dr. O is one of the good ones. He's a keeper who's been abandoned. By everybody. By everybody. <laughs> well, this episode does not immediately introduce us to Dr. O. We have to wait a few moments for that. Uh, it's nighttime. There's lightning going on outside the windows there at the Venture compound. Oh, Dr. Venture is you. having a dream, a nightmare. And this actually sets up the finale, but you don't know it yet. His nightmare is of these two weird fetus creatures and the other one is choking, perhaps getting ready to eat the other. Down in the lab, there's this big can thing brock is in bed he's dreaming of him younger still playing football his coach is standing over another player who is lying down and motions to brock by sliding his finger across his throat that this player is dead brock's trash stash on this was epic right he looks so <laughs> nebraska um back to the can thing in the living room the boys are playing with a ouija board uh, and like, like I kept waiting for them to slide it around and spell out, we have been trying to contact you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> but, you know, Dean's like, will I ever find true love? And, uh, Hank's like, you're such a dork. And the Ouija board goes to yes. And it doesn't make it obvious which one it's answering. <laughs> okay um again down in the lab right uh the can thing he opens green smoke and lights kind of come out and like this creepy looking dracula dude steps right out of it helpers in the lab he wakes up goes over to the guy to check it out but like this creepy dracula dude does the uh like crocodile dundee like wildebeest thing and like knocks out helper uh he then walks past the boys, kind of still standing over the board, and they just, they, they kind of watch him. He stops with the motion of his hands. The boys pass out and fall to the floor. The opening credits come in, and I love these opening credits so much. I love these opening credits so much. Like, it just, it's so unlike 
much of what we get in any of the later seasons, there's a special place in my heart for these opening credits. So and, uh, uh, a minute on the hand uh, signal, like the, 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 the hand arrangement there. Uh, do you know where that comes from? Uh, no. I'm guessing Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, the corner. That's that's the, the evil, evil eye, eye from his. Uh, yeah. Um, now, I mean, how as he was using it, clearly, uh, I guess it's also like a kind of a Doctor Strange way to deliver the, uh, you know, like the zip zap or whatever. Um. <laughs> Although, let's be honest, man. Like, it's not very often that people get to do new things with their hands or their arms. Like that well, was I what. Mean, okay, you, that's what wrong. What, because the thing is, especially like in artistic rendering, like after the Renaissance, we know what fucking hand, like shapes hands make. Yeah, yeah. There was a whole lot of hands in the Renaissance. And well, and hands were a big thing. Like they shapes were. of the hands. And I mean, and I bring that up to, to say, uh, we were actually having a, a, a kind of a back channel production talk as a group and uh, the topic came up on how much Doc Hammer hates Andy Warhol. And it's because <laughs> he loves like Renaissance and oil painting and stuff like that. So I know the hand gesture uh, has some sort of significance because this character is significant to Doc Hammer. And again, like, you know, uh, there's, there's a straight Ronnie James Dio reference, let alone like, you know, God, there's a myriad of context for like that particular like hand gesture um and so like i mean i i don't think it's a thing that doc hammer would have taken lightly being an art you know kind of snob like that it's also you know you know who else takes hands really seriously the hindus right in hindu art you every hand gesture has a specific meaning it's called a mudra right and every hand gesture has a very specific meaning this mudra means okay <laughs> No, I know, I know that that's not. But. And I was trying to, like, in my head, talking about hand gestures and ways to, like, really work the hand gesture. I was sort of thinking another guy with a very similar hand gesture is Doc is uh, Spider Man, and I was trying to imagine what the like Doc Hammer and Jack's Public would have done if they just decided, okay, we're going to include the Spider Man character, but he fires from his wrist like this, like middle finger out, like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what's that mudra mean? Oh, it's Hindu for good fortune. <laughs> I love the subtext yeah. about talking about hand gestures in an episode about a pleasure can. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason the lock is on the inside. So um, wait, real quick before we move on, uh, just kind of uh, pulling back from what we had last time. I think it was a lot. No, it was two episodes ago. Uh, I got some notes from John um, again about the episode and. Uh, he was mentioning it kind of really showed in the intro here. Uh, this was actually, seeing as it is an early uh, season episode in season one, uh, this was actually where they figured out that there was sort of an A, B, and C team at the Korea Art Studio. Uh, <laughs> they were so blown away by uh, a lot of things in the opening, and you mentioned a few other bits and pieces throughout the episode. Uh, I'm not going to bother pointing them out as they come up, but uh, this was where they were like, oh, we kind of like mentioned maybe like add smoke, and like they got the really cool green smoke coming out of the, uh, the pleasure can. Uh, yeah. The lightning at the beginning looked really awesome and they were like, maybe some lightning. And then they got this really awesome lightning back. And then, you know, maybe you look at some of the other episodes and you're like, oh, that quality's not quite there. And yeah, this was about when they started being like, oh, okay, we, we smell what we're stepping into here. Uh, <laughs> you got to think, 
that uh, that gas, uh, like that smoke, has to be some uh, version of of God gas, like GG four twenty or something like that. Uh, you know, but like that's that's clearly like uh, part of the the mechanism to to make the uh, the can work. Uh, you know, kind of in retrospect, like you know, that's that's clearly like God gas. <laughs> I like where this is going. Well, it is on the uh, the train of the only thing Rusty ever seems to get right is uh, God gas related. <laughs> <laughs> Ripping off his dad's invention. <laughs> well, the opening credits are wrapped up. Our father Dean walks into his dad's room and Dean says, Hank and I just woke up on the floor. We were playing Ouija and a guy hypnotized us. <laughs> And then Dr. Venture proceeds to be an awful father. Dr. Venture's groggy, Dean. And then Dean says, with his magical Dracula powers. And Dr. Venture says, Dean, I'm going to turn around now and you'd better be on fire. You're standing there in flames. And the only person who can put you out is me. Because that is the only conceivable reason that you would wake me up like this. Now, as a parent of three clones, I get woken up every day sometimes i'm being assaulted with a lightsaber by my two-year-old ha three who and once i wake up he then hands the other lightsaber to me so that we can battle i have to wake up and do battle every morning i am loving fatherhood all right this is everything fatherhood should be well yeah you get to wake up and like whip your kid with a wiffle ball bat well, usually, usually I'm getting hit on the knuckles by my son's poorly timed aim. But he really like he loves swinging those lightsabers like they're like like he is just in the thick of some old medieval battle or like hey it's it's the prehistoric age. I'm the only guy with an axe. That's kind of how he rolls. Nice, nice. <laughs> so. Hank, meanwhile, kind of creeps into Brock's room. Uh, Hank goes to shake Brock. Brock. Brock grabs Hank by the neck and holds him off his feet until he realizes what's happening and drops him. Hank's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, in terms of responses here, we have a we have a variety. <laughs> Both are on the not great end of parenting, um, but I love like. <laughs> I love Hank's like response. So he, he clearly like fills him in on the stuff. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, hey, Brock, can I cry now? <laughs> <laughs> or no, oh, is it shit. okay if I cry now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has permission. Yeah. Sir, sir may I cry now, sir? Yeah. Like Hank wakes up Brock and it, it, like Brock's like, I told you not to wake me up like that. He's like, what? You mean like at all? Like <laughs> I came in. And I announced myself loudly multiple times. When you didn't respond, I gently touched your shoulder. Then you grabbed me by the neck and started choking the life out of me for way longer than you should have before you noticed I was the child you were sworn to protect. I mean, maybe he's got that like perfect just before death grip down. You know, you can hold it until your eyes are cleared and you can actually see straight. 
<laughs> he's got like a time grip lock like yeah it holds up that perfect this thing until like my my brain fog clears and i can boot up for two seconds his mm-hmm. hand the Led zeppelin a... soundtrack is on oh this is hank all right we're good this hand is a fast food convenience store safe <laughs> <laughs> of of pain of, of, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then he also tells Brock that Helper's broken and then asks if he can cry now. So Dean and, I'm sorry, Dean and Dr. Ventura headed over to one of Dr. Ventura's labs, <laughs> which he has rented out to someone, right? It turns out to be the very same person that Hank and Dean saw the night before. They open the door and are greeted by Dr. Orpheus, the necromancer, who is staying in the advanced arachnid biology lab, right? Oh, I want to see him like reading that classified in the newspaper or on on uh like craigslist or something oh oh pumpkin <laughs> oh it's in the our old arachnid research lab doesn't that just sound spooky and right up our alley yeah. yes i'm sure it has a walk-in closet yeah a perfect <laughs> place for me to put the master uh, and your so- shoes so question time, uh, why is there an advanced arachnid uh, research laboratory in the venture compound? Uh, it, it, I, I want to say from like just looking at the history of Daddy Venture, maybe something on Scaramantula, like he saw something kind of cool with that and decided to go down that road. Maybe that's where Scaramantula used to work. Maybe that's how Scaramantula got his start. He's a bitter ex-employee. Yeah. Or walking oh, I like that. Yeah, like Scaramantula used to be just Scaramucci. They used to call him the Mooch. And uh, <laughs> then he like had an accident at the Advanced Arachnid Research Lab. Part man, part tarantula. All scary. Scary mantula. Right? Well, and then this is also the uh, first episode we actually do get the boys in their uh, traditional uh, oh. man and uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And I was just like, if we've got the, the obvious Spider-Man love, I mean, an advanced arachnid lab, come on, that's got to be an obvious Spider refer- uh, Spider-Man reference as well. Um, I, just, I love that weird, bizarre <laughs> yeah, touch. We had to close so this damn levels. thing down after a kid got bit on a field trip. Right? <laughs> like, that's such a thing like that they would have been sued for. And that's like Brown Widow's back story (laughs) right or he like brown widow like they brought in i could see them bringing in a group of school children not like school kids not high schoolers but orphans and one of them one of them bit the radioactive spider and said it the other way around (laughs) that's why the powers are different or like the radioactive spider got radioactive man powers you know kind of like spider ham was a spider who got bit by a radioactive pig yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah Um, so Dr. Venture is uh, trying to chat with Orpheus about what Dean saw. And, uh, you know, Dean tries to talk to Orpheus, can't get out much. Venture sits in, says, my son has in his head that you were in our house last night and you killed our robot. Dr. Orpheus, I mean, just th- this intro here, this intro is so good. This is the first thing we ever truly hear out of Dr. Orpheus's mouth. And this sets the tone that this character follows for the rest of the series. The seed of your loins is quite astute. I saved your mechanical man from certain damnation, for his frail electronic eyes had gazed upon the impenetrable. 
He was an unwilling beholder to the impossible. Right? Yeah, I've seen the card trick too. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and uh, yeah, this uh, tees up an amazing series of performances from, from Steven Rattazzi because that energy uh, morphing in so many different ways. Because, first off, straightforward, just him, how he de- describes anything mundane is is great but then later on when it gets a little bit more sophisticated hearing them have hearing him have to take this tone of voice and support ridiculous statements or use it quietly uh, <laughs> like <laughs> i mean it, it's it's a great like just series of deliveries uh i mean i'll say it it's probably one of the better um you know voice performances in in you know adult uh animation that kind of gets slept on like it's very chuck jones uh <laughs> in terms of like you know the like you know that era of like Can you imagine him doing a version of froggy when a cordon <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's the thing is like I, you you say that but what froggy you... went to cordon and he didn't ride <laughs> crumbone <laughs> i mean at the same time, uh, coming off the the Halloween episode, thinking like think about that uh, you know lovely soliloquy you know he delivers at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, and he actually gets very soft and tender, but he still keeps that timbre in his voice. Like, okay, do you know what this actually reminds me of a lot? The Bill Hader Vincent Price specials on Saturday Night Live. Oh God, yes. <laughs> like, like I imagine, like how Vincent Price just always lives like this. <laughs> like, you know? I'm gonna say it again. There's a clip of uh, Vincent Price on a Coney Island pier, getting a hot dog and just talking about how wonderful the hot dog is. And it is the most. He's out in the sunshine. There's kids around him. Like it is the most bizarre video I've ever seen in my life. If you have <laughs> never seen it. You have to watch Vincent Price get it, get and eat a hot dog and talk about how lovely it is. Can we point out what it is? Like when you live your life in such a way that you getting a hot dog in the sunshine with children present is the weirdest thing anybody's ever seen you do. And that's coming from a life of really weird things that you've done. That's like, man, I once saw like Vincent Price get his driver's license. Whoa. Well, yeah, because it's it's so surreal and mundane. Like the second he finished describing that premise, I was like, "That's a Doctor O premise." <laughs> oh, oh, these Nathan's hot dogs are jolly wonderful. Like you know, uh... what do you mean by red hops? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no relish for me. Gives me the tummy bubbles. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And I left the antacids at home. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, Orpheus delivers this incredible series of words in which Dr. Venture turns to Dean and says, see, I told you there was a rational explanation. From there, we bounce over to Brock and Brock is doing push-ups while Hank watches and looks at Brock's music. And oh, he's doing Hank, pull-ups. Push-ups. He starts off with push-ups. He does push, uh, pull-ups after that. Oh, that's right. No, no. Because I immediately skipped to the quarter part of my brain. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So uh, this is where we get another Led Zeppelin call out. Uh, Hank's looking through the cassette tapes and finds Led Zeppelin's Into the Outdoor. And 
he's like, look, Hank, uh, what was it he's doing? He's like, uh, Hank, stop. I have memories to that one. And Hank's like, is it because you killed a whole bunch of ninjas while it was playing? So that reminds you of ninjas? No. It was, uh, does it remind you of Frogman? No. A team of half mutated, half dog, half. It's a woman. The only woman I ever loved. And he does a bunch of push-ups. You happy now? And Hank's like, no, because you snapped at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what was the one he said was totally like a sellout? Like where they sold this out? Album. He's like, no, this is that they said, you know, can, can I put this on? No, that's where they, I prefer not to. That's where they sold out, uh, which I do not think is a fair critique of this album. Uh, into the outdoor. Yeah, that's really funny because uh, I'm, I'm actually perusing uh, Amazon the other day, checking out what vinyl they had on special because I, I just dug my, my record player out and uh, I saw In Through the Outdoor and I was like, nah, they totally sold out on that one. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, In Through the Outdoor is excellent. Like Carousel, Hot Dog, uh, In the Evening. Like there's some really solid tracks on there. Like and it flows well as an album. That honestly gets lost sometimes. There are certain albums that they need to be listened to as an album. So when you only hear single songs on the radio, it just doesn't do the whole thing justice. Um, you know, radio is not going to play your whole 50 minute side. <laughs> I mean, that's true. And uh, the art of the album has gotten lost in MP3 culture in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, no, I opted to get a Gorillaz album instead. <laughs> oh, Gorillaz featured uh, one of my favorite underground rap guys, so I can never hate Elton John. N- no, no, <laughs> no. They had a Del uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien on uh... the first one. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm all His... about some hieroglyphics, dude. Yeah hieroglyphics and then if you've never done uh deltron 3030 uh it's a sci-fi rap album that yes. you actually get a sequel to that is a that's another one you have to listen to that as a whole album the the the, the masterpiece that is when you listen to it as a whole so much better oh dude and then like uh god what's that i think i can actually do it off the top of my head hang on What's happening? I wear my dreadlocks in my napkin ring and rap and sing. I'm like these homogenous clones. I'm into earth stones, burst stones, and erogenous zones. The more ticklish, the more you have. I'm sitting on the curb of what used to be the burbs. And that's where I lose it. Something about about Canarsie. Uh, Uh, And I'm a strange and bitter herbs with uh, something salt water and parsley. (laughs) Tights fall up. Or was it a tights fall tights fall down mites fall up that's my mnemonic for stalactites slash stalagmites yeah dude like uh that whole bit was like my jam for a hot minute like and i was really disappointed when uh the sequel came out and like joseph gordon levitt was on it but like it missed the fire it did two was not as good as the first uh virus is a fucking slapper of a track um yeah we're way off topic now. <laughs> I was just going to kind of let this play out because uh, apparently you guys are such big fans. You didn't know that Elton John was one of the featured musicians on the most recent album. No, but Actually, I just thought that I was. I, I just checked out uh, the Pink Phantom and the story behind it's actually really interesting. I felt the track was weak, though, if I'm being honest. It's, I'm, yeah, as, as a Gorillaz fan, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. But at the same time, man, things are a slow burn. Like, uh, I remember uh, when Plastic Beach came out and you weren't like a huge fan of that, but man, I like, wasn't. it's 
and plastic beach has aged well i mean and that shit introduced me to little dragon like i can't be mad about that at all um no i uh i'm not going to disagree with you though this one seems a little weak right now we'll see how it ages like i mean gorillas is one of those things that ages like fine wine you can always go back a year or two and you're like i missed this uh no i'm real hyped about uh song machine was it song machine uh season one wrapping up they're doing a movie uh they've already signed contracts like they're doing this big like uh animated film and it's going to be apparently like more like fantasia so it's going to be a little bit more like abstract um and and gorilla's weirdness as opposed to like you know a straightforward you know like plot and story yeah because fantasia was not weird at all no no, oh, that was totally normal for kids. <laughs> hey, kids, you like? You guys like pictures and music? Yeah, do you guys like the psychedelic reel? What if we make a whole movie out of it? I appreciate it. I really do. You know who else appreciates it? Not Brock. Too many dancing alligators. It reminds him of a woman, right? <laughs> Dude, that was a great hook. Like, I'm actually. We're gonna, yeah, we we gotta toss that anyway. Like, resume. So we're going from Brock's room back to Doctor O's place, where he, Doctor Venture, Dean are all gathered in his den or lab or whatever. Uh, Doctor or Doctor V is uh, trying to angle for the correct way to list the lab so he can achieve maximum tax benefit, <laughs> right? And the discussion is like, so you and I can both agree on what a lab is, right? Um, Venture Corp comments that Orpheus has really done a lot with the place. Uh, they get Dr. O's name, right? Uh, Dr. Venture asks if he can call it a lab when he files his taxes. And then Dr. O goes off on a really dramatic rant at the end of which Dean tells him that his dad, or tells his dad that he told him that he was in their house. And then from there, we're back in Brock's room again. And Brock's doing pull-ups while Hank attempts to do that thing where you put a quarter on your forearm or your elbow and then try to like swing your arm forward and catch it, right? Uh, it, there, did you ever see the Happy Days episode? Like where he's trying to break the world record. So, you know, yeah. Hank's trying it. Brock's doing pull-ups. And Hank's like, so what super cool adventure are we going on today? You should get my scuba gear. We're not doing it anyway. Your father's working on his thing. Hank's like, scuba, 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 scuba. Say scuba. And then Brock's like, scuba. Hank's follows up with scuba it sounds funny scuba and brock says uh scuba yeah it does pull up right uh, <laughs> and of course this is actually where we get to one of these moments where uh it turns out that samson is in many ways a much better parent than dr v is because Hank goes for it. Like he's got this stack of quarters, right? He's just been stacking quarters on his elbow, going scuba, scuba. And then he goes for it, sending quarters flying everywhere. Uh, Samson, being the badass that he is, drops down, catches one in midair, right? And then tosses it back and says, why don't you just start, your, start with one and work your way up from there? See, that is parenting, right? Or at least good big brothering. And we're kind of seeing how all of this is playing out because each of the boys are with their favorite. Like Hank is clearly more interested in being with Brock and Dean is clearly putting up with being with his father, 
right? Because he's his father's favorite. So Dean has to have this kind of like victim complex about going with his dad even when he doesn't want to. Oh, th- that scene in the kitchen that coming up later on with Triana is, uh, oh, man, that's so awkward. I'll be honest. We like always getting a flavor of them, especially season one, season two boys interacting with normal, we'll, we'll say normal kids. Cause I mean, how many kids' parents are like necromancers? Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think there's a couple in, in you know, my son's uh, kindergarten class, like, you know, first grade class. Uh, but outside of that, like, I don't. Um, but that being said, I mean, she's she seems normally well adjusted. Uh, of course, she's got like a, a goth edge. But like, yeah, I mean, just watching them interact with uh, with normies is hilarious. And one thing to say about. um dr o's aesthetic so this is a thing i didn't know that this was a thing until earlier today when i was reading online are are, are you guys aware of cottage core no. no that sounds like an oxymoron yeah it's not a music style i'll save you that trouble it's an aesthetic where it, and it was really kind of big early this year during the spring uh during like you know early on on in the the pandemic and stuff people baking bread a lot of like flowers and everybody getting like you know shit real uh homesteady and cutesy so well now there's another one huh martha stewart core no no martha stewart's gangster as fuck okay true that never mind okay (laughs) yeah yeah no martha stewart doesn't snitch um but now apparently for autumn the new thing is called goblin core or goth core and it's like the same aesthetic but like with bad lighting and and dark tones uh <laughs> so what is it that uh, the scandinavians have they have the word like huga or uh i'm sorry huga h-y-g-g-e no no that's i think that's an end table at ikea yeah it's like it's so, so, to put like, together don't do it You've got like the goblin version of that, like like Huga is the Huga is the like normal cozy cottage core thing, and then Americans were like, we could be more Danish than the Danes. <laughs> Look at my earth tones. <laughs> Was it wasn't that the one we were trying to buy? No, Greenland. We were trying to buy somebody over there. Oh yeah, the Donald Trump decided he was going to buy Greenland because he <laughs> doesn't know things. And like an American, I have no idea which one or where that is. I just know it's Scandinavia somewhere. Greenland? Yeah. Greenland is not... It, no. It's it opens, not, I guess you're right. What is Greenland? Is it sort of its own... Holy cow. You are literally the person I was making fun of the other day. Yes. You found me. <laughs> <laughs> Greenland so, is covered in ice. Well, that, the old maxim is changing. Because it used to be Greenland is covered in ice and Iceland is very green. Except global warming now, so they're both really green. Uh, <laughs> but no, Greenland's uh, mid-Atlantic to the north. Uh, Dude, Greenland is the big giant ice-covered thing. No, yeah, yeah. No, it's, the midpoint, it's the midpoint of the Atlantic if you have to basically like uh, actually stop with a little plane and not just fly the entire thing. They had used to go all the way up and you would basically dot across to wherever you could to land and get more fuel yeah 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 no but i just don't know where is that concern it's sort of like a russia thing 
Like if you're not, if you aren't told and know exactly where it is, if someone just gave you a map and said, which continent is Russia in, you'd be like, you can make a point for both. Cause it stretches all the way, depending on which era map you're looking at into Eastern Europe. And then it kind of goes all the way down totally into Asia. It's straddles. Well, and if you're looking at that damn biased mercantile map, <laughs> it looks oh, massive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, granted, it is the largest country in the world, but if you look at it, like, dude, one of the things a lot of people don't quite understand is just how big Africa is. Everyone's like, oh, Russia is huge. Greenland is huge. Man, those things got nothing on Africa. Africa is massive. I've been on the in the northern hemisphere looking at Africa down at Morocco because you can see it from Spain. And then that is basically the thing that gets all the way the closest down to Antarctica. Yeah. So, you know, if you can see it from one hemisphere and it gets all the way to the bottom of the next one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Mercator projection is uh, doing Russia a lot of favors in everybody's heads. Uh, but the reason I bring up the two of the guy I was talking about was because they had this study. They asked like 220 or 2,200 Americans where Ukraine was. And some, some people picked America as where Ukraine was. Like, you know, Chicago or Iowa or Florida. A lot you of people on the train and go to the Ukraine. Dude, so <laughs> many people picked Greenland. A lot of people picked Canada. Like, I'm sorry, Canada. Like, it was crazy. Oh god! Now, some a lot of people did get it right. Most people did not. And I was, like, I was like, how in the world do you not know roughly where Ukraine is, or like, like, how do you not know that America is where you live? <laughs> like, I'll be okay as long as you pick like Eastern Europe. Like, you, at least pick that. You guys are acting so woods. fucking surprised. Like, in a world where flat Earth theory is making a comeback. Dude, have you seen the new Borat movie? No. Uh, not the whole thing, no. My daddy is the smartest man in the whole flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, goodbye, Giuliani. Um, so, with that being said... Uh, hey, that's America's mayor. That's America's <laughs> village idiot, apparently. Like, going to end up in a hotel room having drinks with a 15-year-old girl? That's classy. <laughs> hey, baby, not a little. It was an inside hey, job. Yeah. You know what else is an inside job? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Dean is playing with, uh, like, a shrunken head when Dr. O's daughter Trout walked in, and Dean is dumbstruck. Dr. O tells her to take Dean into the kitchen so they can enjoy some of those pre-packaged cereals that she enjoys so much. They exit. Dr. Venture comments on being a single parent. Dr. O's cat rubs against his leg. This leads to an odd conversation yeah. about cats in heat and moist Q-tips and Dr. O's ex-wife, who is not the cat. Uh, okay, so uh, let's please, go ahead let's and toss over stop. to Vaud, yeah. who actually has some expertise in, in uh, real-life uh, animal husbandry. Okay. <laughs> So you wet the Q-tip and you gently place it about quarter of, no, uh, fuck. <laughs> um, the Does horrific thing. vibrate or? It's get a little wiggle. 
Uh, no. So the horrific part is in the commentaries. They were talking about this, and apparently, uh, I think it was Jackson said he actually attempted to do this to his cat and basically mm. ruined the relationship he had with that animal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, I did it for like a quarter of a second, and as soon as I did it, she just turned into this sexual beast, and <laughs> I could never look at her the same way again. She was my little friend. We had a good relationship. I was fucking crying laughing listening to that. So I'm going to go with the... I, I've heard about this. I've never... I mean, I've met a lot of people who've done a lot of crazy things with their pets. Um, but this isn't a, a procedure you've actually been paid as a a uh, professional to perform no um i have worked at places that do artificial insemination so i mean i've done that kind of a thing before but never um not not quite like this something that really mattered huh is that because you wanted to do something that really mattered I'm not doing it manually, man. <laughs> Somebody else gets that job. <laughs> it's very, very uh, Victorian. Like, I need to take my cat to the uh, to the veterinarian and get the the uh, the humors balanced and and the hysteria worked away. Like, <laughs> might you swab the the nether regions and and you know get the the hysteria out? She, she seems to be having night fits. <laughs> so, fun fact. You know that there, hysteria was a condition that could be like uh, diagnosed by a doctor. And the cure was, yo, I'm going to go finger bang this chick. That was the cure. And the reason... What was medicine in the, like, 1800s? Like, you, d- don't you mean early 1900s? Well, I was going like late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, I mean, I get it. It's not like Civil War field surgery, but like <laughs> when when your medical practice. Hang on, hang on. I can see this. Everyone, stand back. I'm a doctor. Hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> that's one of those size gross things. Like, three. yeah, I'm I'm getting into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting into early 1900s, early uh, was it early 20th century gynecology? I, I, I practice archaeo gynecology. Uh, what was it that George W. Bush said, like, so that I can practice my love of women? No, no, I think that was Bill Clinton. No, that was very much George W. Bush. I, yeah, gynecologists need to practice their love for women. Um, so the reason the very first vibrators were made was because doctors got tired of having, like, their hands got tired. Those poor bastards. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. Dude. All I'm doing is walking down the street and all they see is a pair of gloves. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if only we'd had Q-tips. <laughs> Why do I picture him just walking down the street like uh, Monty Python ringing the bell? Ring out your... <laughs> <laughs> his poor guys are just, <laughs> are just flailing tired <laughs> so we get this really awkward conversation between dean and triana which he opens with is your name Cumpkin? no it's triana doesn't your dad have a nickname for you well i've heard him call me dave or don a few times but i don't think they're nicknames <laughs> And then he immediately segues to, hey, are you a pirate? 
this that is, is normal the- talk for venture kids. I mean, the places that get, they go, the things they see. It, you got a Dracula dad, you're a pirate girl. Like, it totally fits. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Well, he, life. He's talking about the skull and crossbones. And he was like, yeah, because one time my family was held captive by pirates who were ghosts. And you have a Jolly Roger on your blouse. So I thought, and she's like, wait, did you just say blouse? We also get a reference to Adam and the Ants, who, uh, if you have not checked out Adam and the Ants, uh, check it out. It's totally worth your time. Everybody knows Goody Two Shoes, but uh, they do have extra music as well. It is worth checking out. Uh, so, um, so Deep Diver says blouse, and that tickles me. He would. because that is apparently official like military guideline for the dress shirt attire. That's your dress blouse. And uh, everything is five by five with deep diver. Even when, uh, you know, talking to civilians, like it's all like, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. He'll, he'll talk to me about work stuff and he uses a lot of like jargon. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, d- did you nuke China today? Uh, no. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, no, he totally like, uh, whipped out the word like blouse and casual conversation in reference to his own wardrobe and uh, like I about had a giggle fell. I was like you just say blouse like I don't even think women over the age of like 15 say blouse you know I don't know like again there is that even a word that is still in the popular vernacular because I remember is, is my, it a French mom- word I remember my mom. Am I supposed to be word? saying it blau? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's either a shirt or the German color for or the German color. It's, it's hard to tell. So Dean has this really awkward conversation and it's enough to make Beast cringe. Back in the lab, Brock's attempting to fix Helper. Hank's not being any help. Helper's in more pieces than when Dr. O last left him. Uh, Brock asks Hank to get the Phillips head screwdriver. Hank notices the can that we saw earlier. And can is not the correct word to use to describe this thing. It is more like the transporter from the fly, I think is where it goes. But it's got this big V on it because, hey, Dr. Venture. Um, Well, the the transporter from the fly was kind of like, I don't know, bulbous, egg-shaped. Like it was weird in that corner. This is a cylinder. Like, yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, it, it looks like it, if it went anywhere, it would be a, 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 like an elevator. It looks like a giant pneumatic tube from it the It does, bank. like from Futurama. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's got the sliding doors. Speaking of the fly uh, transporter, did you guys happen to see the uh, the SNL bit with Jim Carrey about a week or two ago? I did not. Oh, now it's after the VP debate, though, right? Yeah, they literally do this. Uh, you kind of think it's going to go down uh, one road, and then all of a sudden they have Jim Carrey as Biden going into the transporter to get to the uh, debate. And then when he gets there, he kind of like goes full Goldblum. And so he kind of like is this mishmash of Biden and Goldblum. It's fucking great. <laughs> I was just catching up on it today and saw that, and now we're back to. Uh, I remember everybody was so excited about Jeff Goldblum being there and it apparently didn't happen. Everybody was like, wah, wah, joke's on us. It's just so, um, Hank is looking at the cylinder. The door opens. Hank walks up to it. 
Hank looks inside. Inside's a green meadow, and there's Dr. Venture, and he's got a football. And can you describe how he's dressed? Uh, I mean, he's dressed like your typical kind of country club dad. Like he's got a, you know, what looks to be a polo and a, a sweater over his shoulders cardigan, folded. Like, yeah, like yeah. a cardigan folded. Um, you know, and he's he's tossing around a, a football kind of casually to himself and offering to, you know, if, offering uh, Hank to play, uh, you know, with a play catch with uh, the pigskin there. Yeah, let's have a Costner, right? Okay. And then you hear like... Uh, of course, you hear off screen, but like what sounds to be clearly like a reference to his hopes for a mother. <laughs> yeah. He's like, so, oh, that's your mother. Like, let's come eat some of her delicious grilled cheese. With no crust, son. Yes. And then we can't get out of the scene without mentioning the track that they have on it. I can't ever pass up a good whistle track. Um <laughs> They just, they, <laughs> yep, they, just, they absolutely fucking nail it on this one. I love it. Oh, I spotted JG Thurwell's name somewhere else the other day. I didn't realize he was the guy doing all the music on Archer. Uh, no, no, that was actually, was he doing the music on Archer? That's funny. No, you saw it the other day actually tattooed on my butt. Like, that's where <laughs> I sent you. Uh, the picture didn't come out like I'd. I thought it would. It looks a little bit more like Baron Harkonnen. I don't know why. <laughs> but it says... It says Ass Clamp. Um, grimoire. <laughs> grimoire. So, Brock looks over, sees Hank about to walk into the joy can, and he runs over, throws Hank out of the way, and is about to throw a large piece of equipment into it when he, too, becomes struck by the can. It's soothing green emanation calling to him. Brock, unable to resist, walks in, the door slides shut, and we go to a commercial. But we're back soon, and inside the can, we see the dead football player from Brock's dream. And this is my favorite surprise of the episode, right? Where, like, the guy's telling Brock, it's okay. I shouldn't have run from you. Otherwise, I would still be alive. I should have just given you the football. Except the guy's deaf, right? Oh, dude, and, and they have somebody in the corner signing. Yeah, there's a dude signing what's happening in the corner. And it just, it wow. It, it, it is quite possibly the most adult swim the Venture Brothers have ever been. Like, it, that's, that's this moment. And it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, if I hadn't, it's okay, Brock. I'd still be alive if I had tried to run from you. And uh, Brock winds up with like a flower in his hand, like a tulip, like a, to make peace. Brock says it was an accident. And just then a bunch of ninja, like a ninja falls from the sky. And then a bunch of ninjas fall from the sky and attack. And like, this is clearly Brock's heaven, right? Uh, back in Dr. O's den, he and Dr. Venture are still talking. Dr. Venture suggests they head over to the lab to check out what's happening with the joy can. Or he disagrees, but first he leaves a voice message. Like, or sorry, he walks over to this like skull with glowing eyes and like does his magic hand thing and his eyes glow and the skull like opens up that he reaches in, pushes a button and records a message for his daughter. Okay, hand activated Siri. That's all that is. Like record message. Like yeah. <laughs> It's his answering machine. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I actually have one uh, in my smart home and it is uh, modeled after uh, Trek. Uh, it's actually like a captain's log. Um, that I can record into uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Captain's Not lost. Magic, Arne, man. You better have this cleaned up by the time I get home. But so help me God, you are a part of you is going into the joy can. <laughs> you know what, like, actually, uh, I think is the coolest part about uh, Dr. O as a dad. Hmm. On some level, I mean, he is like fantasy wish fulfillment. Not that I want like, you know, the middle, like the midlife crisis or to be an absent husband or any of that shenanigans. But the one thing he's got as a dad is he can just point at his kids and say sleep and they do. Can you imagine that? Uh, No, I can't because I hear my youngest one slapping around on the hardwood floor behind me. <laughs> Dude. Well, Dr. O records his message. That's where we get the uh, I'm in Mr. Vinch's lab to which to write that which is wrong and to repair the torn curtain of time itself. There are four puddings in the fridge who may enjoy the contents of one of them. Dinner is at six. And then they head on over. So Dean's in his room, making out with his hand, like (laughs) making out with his hand to practice. He's wearing a Burger King crown, right? Pretending he's a king and Triana is his like princess. And yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Wait, Uh, like you guys did never do this? I really related to this moment. Dude, there is a moment in a lot of people's lives where they pine for someone, they just have no experience. And then others of us got introduced to that way too early than we should have. Like some, and it, there just comes a moment where it's like, you know, how- Did Carrie Shrug not answer your like fan mail at five years old? <laughs> <laughs> so there kind of comes this, like I totally empathized with this uh, in the sense that like when you're a kid, you have, you know, you have nothing else to base it on other than your own ideas when you aren't exposed to these things. So as a kid, when you're exposed to something you don't understand, you try and put it into a context that you can understand it. And that's what play is. Like Hatu had a friend named Bake, who was a raccoon who lived in a skunk house. And it was his best friend. Is code for something? <laughs> Bake. Bake would always help him understand things. Like if Hatu got in trouble, right? Uh, and then he'd come up later and talk to Dr. And Mrs. Savage and be like, Bake did a, something bad, but then he realized it was bad, so he didn't ever do it again because he knows not to carry juice on the carpet anymore. Right? Like it was just part of how he processed things. And this is kind of the same way. Dean is trying to process his feelings. He's trying to, he, he has got the urge now, the manly urge that he wants to be a boyfriend. So five Joe, he's- <laughs> Dude, I love saying it that way. Like, I really, really want to be a boyfriend. Like, yeah. I'm and, practicing uh, how to be a boyfriend. Dad. Yeah. So that's why he's wearing his Burger King crown and making out with his hand. So, like, when when you're you're uh, a young person in puberty, like any bathroom any bathroom door with a lock is a pleasure can. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> and a crack in the wall is enough inspiration. 
God, what was it Tom Waits say? Like, uh, <laughs> that's never how I I'm start so that game off. The crack of dawn better watch out. <laughs> I'm Tom Waits said, I'm so ready to be a boyfriend. The crack of to take an adventure on the high seas of breakfast? We have the only seas that matter. Color, corn byproducts, and candy. I want some gas station sushi for breakfast. Stop right there, son. This cereal is slightly better than that. Try new Pirate Crunch. It's filled with everything that makes your long car ride better for dad. Flavored with sweet, sweet trank and vitamin K. Enough to take you straight to the K-hole for breakfast. Are you a kid or a kid at heart? Or maybe you have an orphan heart in your pleasure can. Tired of eating sargassum and cod liver spots? Does Alpha Dog give you a wee bit of an Oedipus complex? Try Pirate Crunch or your father will never approve of your lifestyle choices. So, Dean is in his room making out with his hand. Brock is fighting cowboys with flamethrowers, riding dinosaurs, and scuba divers with machine guns in the sidecars of motorcycles driven by polar bears and more ninjas. And he's dressed like a Native American. Uh, well, he is quarter Winnebago and not the camper, as we yeah, found out. Right. Uh, in the lab, Dr. Venture explains how the joy can works to Dr. O, who is impressed with Dr. Venture's invention, but fears something else. In the middle of another dramatic monologue, he trips over Hank's arm. Hank tries to, of course, because Hank was on the floor, Brock threw him earlier. Hank tries to explain what's going on, but Dr. Venture won't let him and starts yelling at him. And dude, this is the, of all the things in this episode, this is the part of this episode that made me the maddest. And just imagine this. This is the part of the episode that was worse than harvesting an orphan's organs. And well, this, uh, is, this where... is also before you launch into your your righteous uh, indignation, um, and, and rightfully so, because you're a really good dad. So I understand why you get offended by a lot of this. But this is very much like a generic '80s trope. Like where kids have something to say, but adults are like, well, you're too young to know anything about the world. Yeah, I, I, I get it. The thing that bothered me was that it was Dr. V trying to look like he's a good parent in front of Dr. O. Like that's the part that ticked me off so much. Dr. V has no ground to stand on. Like just horrible parent, horrible father, awful human being, a few minorly redeeming qualities that eventually get exposed when enough of the foliage is like trimmed away. Uh, but here he is. 
saying, oh, you know, you got to be tough with them. Otherwise, they take too much. And it's like, dude, it, stop oh, trying wait, to wait, parent. Wait. He, had a, he had the best line there. It was, you give them an inch, they think they're the ruler. And I was yeah. like, that is a that great line. That is a great line. I that's love that line. Like, that's 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 got dad juice on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> is that it, like one of his most fatherly moments? Like, am I just not giving him credit where credit is due? I oh think no! I mean, was... when you when we say fatherly moments, we assume it's good dad stuff. Yeah, I had a terrible is, uh, dad. My Archie, dad was a Archie good Bunker. man, awful father. Like, I mean, I will straight up and down, like, I mean, and, and not in, intentionally by any means. So yeah, like, let's, let's give Dr. Venture some wide berth here. Like he is nailing some classic dad traits. He's just, he's not a good dad. Like when he does the whole march. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gotta get put that gravel in the voice. Oh, I scared the tar out of Ha 2 tonight. He was fussing at Ha 3. And I was like, bro, you can't do that because if when you like, he's learning how to talk by the way you talk to him. And Damn, that's just, some gravel, yo. You got him. And apparently I yelled at him to make my point so convincingly that he like burst into deep racking sobs. And I just had to sit there holding him while he cried these huge tears and be like, I was just kidding. I'm sorry. I wasn't actually yelling at you. I mean, yes, technically I was yelling at you, but I wasn't doing it in anger. I was trying to prove a point. It was a bad point. I'm not yelling at you. I'm telling it you. Yeah. That is not a defense that's going to hold up in family court, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I wasn't even angry. Like, I just raised my voice and was like, yo, like, this comes off too harsh. And apparently he, I, I, I wonder if the lesson took, I don't know. Uh, but suffice is really is also really like emotionally tender. You say no, and he will like throw down whatever he's holding. Pray to God it's not something valuable or whatever, <laughs> and run off like off stage, like and like have a meltdown just because like he got it that embarrassed. Yeah. Like yeah. embarrassing my kids in middle school is gonna be super easy. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Just start taking the videos now. <laughs> I'm not even going to have to bring out the chaps. Right. So uh, Hank has to leave the lab. And we're back inside the joy can. Brock stands on a pile of dinosaurs, ninjas, scuba divers, cowboys, and polar bears while more ninjas drop from the sky. At which point Brock says, oh, come on. And then everything clears up. And the meadow is back. Molotov cocktease flies in on a bed. The bed comes to a stop in front of Brock, who's now in a tux with his hair slicked back. Monov jumps off and lands on Brock's head, crotch to face. She hits his head like a drum in a pretty comical manner as Brock walks over to the bed. And then Hank meets up with Dean in their room. Dean informs Hank about Dr. Rowe and Triana, and Hank tells him what's going on, saying, Dean, that's great, and I can't wait to hear all about it. Only Brock's stuck inside Dad's thing that makes people happy, but it's all evil. I, and then Dean says, <laughs> I dare you to make less sense. Dude, which is, this is such a great line. Oh. Like, <laughs> i dare you to make less sense oh and did you notice that the order of events that happen in brock's pleasure can session uh is exactly the order of things uh, in his conversation with hank oh frogmen and... yeah like he starts with ninjas frogmen and then something like he gets more ridiculous and then brock has a break Oh, come on. You're like in this instance again, but like the first time around, it was like, it was a woman. And then lo and behold, Molotov appears. 
See, that's awesome because when I thought Frogman, I didn't actually think Scuba Diver. I actually thought like Brick Frog. <laughs> I mean, well, in the Venture Verse, it can go either way. That's a fair yeah. assessment. Well, no, you have to remember, a... it's the uh, the rip from uh, Johnny Quest first episode. The the Frogmen looking guys, they yeah. were just Scuba dudes, yeah. like with like extra like frogish like attire on them. They didn't have the awesome. Uh, would you say costume. frogish attire again like you hear penguin suit and then frog suit and it's like ah oh, let me go change into something less comfortable like, <laughs> something with more webs between the toes thank yes. you <laughs> yes jenkins um, who was it carlos castaneda who had uh, created his own version of yoga called tensegrity and the whole, like, one of the opening moves that you do is you rip the webs from between your fingers. Like, I, that was one of the things that really struck me. Like, I remember watching this video, like, because I got into yoga for a hot minute. And I was like, all right, I like, I like psychedelics. Let's see what this is all about. And those ladies were intense. Holy smokes. Those are the kind of women you do not want to run into in a dark alley because, like, you know you're going to walk away with their literature. <laughs> so it's like the esperanto of uh like no, no, no. Esper esperanto was like a, a vision of hope and worldly togetherness this was angry evolution yoga scream therapy yeah pamphlets. yeah but like you're just gonna scream with your eyes <laughs> The silent scream of desperation. I took too much. <laughs> so I haven't done drugs in 10 years, but I'm still higher than you right now. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Dean's like, I dare you to make less sense. Hank's like, I was on the floor and I heard everything and I have a plan. Dean says, what are you talking about? Dean stands up and then falls down. Like, <laughs> because he stood up too fast from, so from being a boyfriend <laughs> yeah so in the joy can molotov tells brock that she's ready to go all the way brock's pretty excited uh if you saw the brisby land episode you can imagine why he is so excited and molotov makes some promises like just promise me one thing do not be gentle uh which of course is it, it, the exact words brock would have longed to hear uh, in the Venture kitchen, Dr. O and Dr. V are discussing the joy can. Dr. Venture notices that the door's going to be open from the inside because it was made for the lonely kind of hanky-panky. Dr. Orpheus takes a second and then gets it. Uh, outside the joy can, Hank and Dean have donned their tinfoil hats. They've gone full Alec Jones. They seem poised to go into the can to rescue Brock. Hank points out that if they do rescue Brock, their dad won't know that their, their, their dad won't think they're babies anymore. Might even reward them with Coke machines and bumper pool and separate rooms. <laughs> well, and I love, this is back to, to very much like early model stunted growth, Hank and Dean, where they're like, yeah, Pop just thinks we're babies. Like, it's all these weird, generic 60s, 70s, 80s, Saturday morning cartoon uh, after school special problems. Yeah. Like, I don't want the guys at school to think I'm a baby. So I'm going to wear, like, you know, my salmon colored shirt today. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Season one, Hank and Dean are a couple of wusses. I'm glad they died. And we get new versions because the new versions are way better on from there on out. Um, 
people like to say it's season one and money things and everything like that. I just think it's season one, Hank and Dean, those copies, they just kind of sucked. They were dud copies. Um, they were stuck in a like wonder years bubble or something like that. And then they made some tweaks, hopefully to the new set. And that's why they're a little bit better now. Oh, 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 okay. If there were a wonder years in the ventures, who's <laughs> doing, who's doing the narration? Helper. And he can actually talk. Colonel Gentleman. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who's doing the... Uh, I could see Jonas Jr. doing it. I could see... Pirate Captain. Pirate, that, that could be good. That could be I'd, good. I'd buy HBO Max for that. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole thing i buy the whole thing so uh, by the way so i've got hbo max and i've had it uh since the i've had hbo for years um i got it when game of thrones came out and when i found out that i didn't like when they finally released hbo go i was like oh i don't even need like satellite or anything anymore done right and uh i'm thrilled hbo max is super solid uh like um raised by wolves is weird like it's it, I'm, the, I'm, the ridley scott one yeah i'm surprised yeah, Scott was like ridley scott was like dune's coming back out we got to get weird guys <laughs> and it does dude and i'm telling you like the it, it's worth the watch it's hard to wrap your head around you know like i i, I appreciate uh work that doesn't reveal itself automatically. Like things that make me feel a certain way that I can't quite put my finger on are is to me good art because things it's that make you go, hmm. hmm. Indeed, indeed, um, and it really helps put the groove on your heart. <laughs> uh, you know, man. Uh, after Game of Thrones, Westworld. Watchmen, Watchmen, Lovecraft Country, like yeah, no, I'm, I'm all, and Harley Quinn, uh, no, yeah, I'm, Harley I'm, Quinn I'm, is excellent. Well, and yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Vaughn sitting over here smirking like a fucking Cheshire cat, because uh, <laughs> he, he's definitely like the the early adopter of the three of us on that. And uh, I've been, I was been uh, okay. So are we through season two yet on that one, guys? Finish Harley no, Quinn. No, I, I, I'm up, I'm, I'm up through season one. Okay. Beast. I finally saw the one Batman episode that got Oh, I don't you got wanna... to the Batman episode? Yeah, yeah. That is probably 20 whatever minutes of my favorite Batman on a television uh, episode of anything ever. It's it's right up there with any of the Batman animated series ones. It's just, fuck. Well, and so and to kind of rope this back in, like, I mean, this is proof positive that, like, they, they have the chops to handle, like, you know, Venture Brothers and, and filling, like, letting, you know, them fill it out. Um, even if it's just like a another prom style, like you know, special ending. Dude, um, can you imagine what we would get if we got two hour and a half long, like double episode finales? There, well, I mean, I would get an erection. <laughs> I would be ready to be a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to stop. I wouldn't even be practicing at this point. So. They enter the can, Brock's fighting nobody and doing it with nobody. Uh, different <laughs> background scenes flash in and out of you as well. 
they are wearing tinfoil on their heads. Uh, Hanks is like folded over like the Thracian Pelius, right? Like it's weird. Uh, Dean decides he's had See, enough. I would have said Smurf. Okay. And this is why I love you, Savage. Like you're like, yeah, ancient Greek reference. Woo. I'm like, Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a Papa Smurf hat. Yeah. He's wiser than everybody else right now. Right. So uh, <laughs> the boys can't get out of the can. Uh, outside the can, Dr. Ventures cannot figure out how the boys got in. Dr. Orpheus casts a spell, commands a joy can to open. Instead, everything in the house and the compound opens. Every drawer, the refrigerator. <laughs> like, Ventures going to be ticked when the OJ is warm, right? Like, uh, but the joy can is still closed. Uh, Dr. Venture, still in his robe, decides he's going to go put on some pants. I'd like to point out that Dr. Venture just spent the entire morning with Dr. O without wearing pants. Classy. Like, hey, I'm your new landlord. These are my legs. <laughs> Dude, hot well, three I mean, walked up to subtle, me. It's a subtle intimidation maneuver. He might let the Killinger slip out. Yeah, you know, sh suddenly showing him who's the alpha dog. Hot three, two and a half years old, walked up to me yesterday, like looked me straight in the eyes, held up his arm, looked at him, was like, "Do you like my arm? <laughs> like, like check, check check out what I got. This is my arm." I was like, "Dude, that's an awesome arm." He was so excited. So, but I digress. Were we talking about the different ages in which drugs they relate to the other yeah. week? Yes, we <laughs> yeah. were. We hit the mushroom era. Like, dude, <laughs> arm. <laughs> like, holy shit. And hand. Dude, there's a hand at the end of my arm, and they work together. Like, <laughs> so cool. Um, I think mine has actually hit the uh, the ecstasy phase. So he's just standing in front of the refrigerator, his, like, boxers, and the youngest one, the, the three-year-old clone. And he's got his junk just pulled out, uh, <laughs> looking at the alphabet, like, playing, like, strumming it two-handed, like some sort of like weird ass banjo maneuver <laughs> and just going ah <laughs> i'm like uh, I'm just like you used to do beast well I'm, i mean uh except not excited about sesame street like today's letter today is brought to you by the letter x <laughs> so uh inside the can hank and dean discover that brock can't see or hear them they've got no way to help him out that's when Dean gets an idea. He takes off his shirt and tells Hank they need to get it soaking wet and not with spit. And it, it, of course, like I hit, it's like, do, do I have to spell it out for you? And I was waiting for him to say, pee. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so outside the can, Dr. O continues to examine the thing. I want to figure out that it uses some orthodox materials. Uh, Dr. Venture reveals that one of the unorthodox materials is a small orphan boy, as Orpheus calls it, a forsaken child. Uh, at which point what was it Dr. V says he's like well I didn't use the whole thing <laughs> okay so uh, I've been waiting for this moment oh I've been waiting for this could you imagine a whole host of smart home appliances made from various orphan parts I mean Please, look, at this point you're the one who just laid the track on this crazy thing <laughs> I'm in the caboose. You go where, you, like, you, go ahead, conductor. Just ride your. Well, well I mean, you have Do to this. speculate like certain things. Like, I mean, obviously, you could only get like 
you know, uh, if, if you're looking to, to build a whole orphan out of your smart home appliances, you could only get like, uh, you know, two outdoor security cameras, uh, <laughs> you know, they like, have the women- hands for like child safety locks. <laughs> it's the, the mechanism that controls the lock. Like, yeah, what? Or is, like, that your, is that your clapper? Like, oh, dude, like if it's if there's like a a hub in the home, like uh you know an an Alexa or something like that or a Google Home, right? Does it have the child's voice? Oh. Or whoa, whoa, whoa! And this is something we've never considered. What if it's a grown-up orphan? <laughs> what if it's like like Batman? Batman's like, a grown-up orphan. Like the Crack Fox or Old James? <laughs> like we're assuming. Uh, you know, child orphans, and and that's because we're terrible people. Well, but, no, that's because he says an orphan boy. He didn't say say an orphaned man. He could have been spelling that like B O I, and it could have been like a twink or something. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Good times. Yeah, it's kind of weird that there's no saying of like everyone eventually becomes an orphan. Like, there's no classic like overly poetic way of like everyone's parents usually end up dying and you kind of usually outlive them you become an orphan eventually like so, i've never you know that, that, that's kind of interesting you say that like so if somebody says like are your parents still alive like no i'm half orphan or i'm pre-orphan yeah right like <laughs> it's just one of those like universal things that i would have thought that there would be like you know a quick short little two word line by oscar wilde about and eventually we're all orphans like i can't think of a eventually we all become orphans line but it's so right there uh maybe that's because it's like one of those unspoken things in life like like how like you, you know when you're a bummer when you're like hey your favorite animal from like your favorite animal tv star is dead <laughs> like everybody knows these things but nobody likes to think about them out loud so it's like yeah so, you know, your parents are going to die one day. It's like, hey, you know what? Your dad's mortal. Like, shut up. He is not. <laughs> My dad will live forever, and he will help me fix things, and he will teach me things forever, damn it. And I will know all the secrets to life, the universe, and you shut up. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Uh, that's a fair enough point. Um, oh, no, no. We're not done with orphan hearts. Oh, God. So. <laughs> Oh, and uh, thinking cap. Come on, use the brain for a thinking cap. There's got to be some way that that would work. You, but you got to find smart enough orphans, I guess. <laughs> do, oh, like, do they have tiers of smart home devices based on the IQ? Orphan tiers that help you get over sad emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little bit of, like, the tear gland. Just like... <laughs> It's how you add that extra. <laughs> Do you guys have any salt? <laughs> Do we? <laughs> so Triana comes home <laughs> and checks the is not skull for messages. And uh, she gets the message about uh, her dad being in the lab. So, <laughs> Wait, but how many orphans does it take to screw in a light bulb? There's no joke. Like the the, the the setup was just awful enough. <laughs> there are times that you seriously make me question my involvement in this oh. podcast. 
Man, and, all right, cool. We can move on now. We're good. <laughs> that, that's the moment I needed. We're set. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed for you. Dude, I'm embarrassed five you. <laughs> right. We didn't even get so, to my moving walkway powered by their little feet. Uh, <laughs> it's like a hamster wheel. <laughs> so Triana gets home, gets a message. Then we see Dr. Orpheus trying the Marco Polo thing. A little and, sewing oh, machine oh. with a hand. Yep. And trying to reach the boys that way. Inside the can, the boys and Brock now uh, wearing urine-soaked shirts on their head and tinfoil, respectively. Are, uh, <laughs> They're wearing the R. Kelly collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of Yeezys. Uh, <laughs> what would it be, like, drippies? <laughs> <laughs> Golden drippies. Peasies. Easy peasies. <laughs> Lemon squeezies. Oh, yeah. Lemon squeezies. There we go. <laughs> that phrase will now never be the same. Don't eat the yellow I, I will always think of R. Kelly's fashion line. So uh, no joke, uh, there is somewhere in this world, in this life, a 24 karat R. Kelly golden shower head. Oh, that's good. Like, it's a luxury item. Is that a real thing? Yes. The R. Kelly golden shower head. Like, I, I think he marketed it after a whole bunch of, like, after the Dave Chappelle stuff, and he was trying hard to own it. Like, yeah. Well, he certainly got owned pretty hard. Well, you know what? Like, it's his fault. Tom Hanks has been pissing on stuff for years now and safely. I'm sorry, like, who? Made a whole... Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks has a whole career of making people watch him pee. <laughs> the burbs yes that happens the yeah, burbs okay. uh apollo 13 uh to quote michael swaim from cracked it's not enough that tom hanks should go to space but you have to watch him piss all over it and in uh forrest gump he talks about it dude about yeah when he meets the president he has to pee when uh he is in saving private ryan everybody's telling their little like you know war stories and stuff and then uh i'm gonna guarantee in the terminal at some point he visited a bathroom well yeah i mean <laughs> but no in uh in, in private ryan considered... he tells like this whole story about pissing a v on like the enemy's like uh back or some shit i had never put this together before but by god oh and the green mile yeah i mean that's that's the most famous one wow and uh, I, what was it uh, in Money Pit? There was a peeing boy fountain in front of the house that he actually like falls into, and there's a shot of the little boy peeing on him. So why? Do, it, it, like I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. But... Oh no, he wants you to spend a ton of time thinking about him <laughs> peeing. That's the point. But I, it, it, now that you bring it up, it's so there. I wonder if because he had a new, he had a new movie come out about uh, making the caravan runs in World War One, right? Yeah. Does he pee in that film? I, just, I refuse to get uh, Apple TV to find out. Yeah, I get that. Uh, luckily, there's this thing called the internet that provides everything. What the fuck is the internet? 
Well, son, I'm glad you asked. It's for more than just porn. It's where people come together across the world and bitch about movies. <laughs> and watch The Venture Brothers. Not enough. So, uh, Brock... 37. 37 whole episodes. In a row? So, Brock is not thrilled that the boys have rescued him and that he's wearing pee on it. What is it? It's like it smells like a toilet. <laughs> with a hat that smells like a men's room and we're still here you say me from the only woman i've ever loved with a hat that smells like a men's room and we're still here dean's like we totally blew it no that's not what i meant i'm impressed with your spirit i just wish you thought it out a little better hank's like okay brock i admit there'll be maybe some small holes in our plan at which point dr orpheus from outside says marco and dean of course gets so excited polo right Dr. Orpheus keeps shouting, Marco. Dean starts shouting, Polo, Marco, Polo, 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 Marco, Polo. And, okay, Dr. Richard's like, all right, we know they're in there. Will you try something else, please? Um, Triana, meanwhile, has waited for Father dinner table. Besides, she's going to go to the lab. Um, Brock's trying to kick on the door. It doesn't work. Dean says he's starting to get hungry. A pie appears in front of him. Hank says, don't eat it. It's poison. It's magic pie. Dr. B tries to get the boys out, but yelling at them, that doesn't work either. Uh, Dr. Orpheus is like, oh, that's weird. The true love things usually works. Just then Triana walks in and says Dean's name. But Dr. Orpheus reminds her of him. He's like, oh, yes, the Dr. Vinci's boys are inside. She's like, who? And he's like, you know, you met him earlier, Dean. She's like, oh, yeah, Dean. And like the voice echoes into Dean's heart. And suddenly he knows how to get out. And he, we get this great image of like an actual human beating heart over his head and then an arrow skewering it and blood pumping out right uh dean leads the way out they emerge from the can and give us a good go team venture at which point dr says yes go team venture at which point dr venture is like oh for god's sakes don't encourage them orpheus then sends the machine quote back to hell unquote by throwing some kind of black hole fireball into it which causes it to disappear leaving only some green smoke where it once stood Dr. Venture tells Dr. Rowe that he's going to have to raise his rent now. And Dean says, so I'll guess I'll be seeing around the compound. And Triana's like, around the compound? What are you, David Koresh? And Dean's like, no, I'm Dean. Dean Venture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, wait. And like the, the one uh, exchange at the table was like, you know, uh, it's hot in Pops can. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he does like, are you, are you okay? Penguins have a gland over their eyes that converts fresh salt water to fresh water. <laughs> uh, the one I also noticed on a rewatch, like a millionth time now that the, the rest of the show is basically out, I saw one that they pulled for um, uh, Morphic Trilogy. We got the floating, I don't know if you mentioned it, but the floating scamp. Uh, when the boys first go into the pleasure can, they see Scamp and they're happy that he's alive and yeah. they remember that he's dead and everything. Yeah. It's the exact same basic floating dog that comes through. And then I realized we actually see more of Scamp not actually there and floating <laughs> through the air than we ever see him as a running around dog having fun. That's funny. Um, and they mentioned in the uh, the commentaries that they basically scrapped Scamp for Helper because who wants to write for or animate a dog? Yeah. And uh, that was their, essentially Helper was their dog uh, fill-in, which I, I never, I mean, it makes sense, but uh, Robot works way better than a dog. Who buys Absolutely. a dog? Um, I love the interaction Hank and Dean have here. Dean's like, okay, bye. And Hank's like, smooth move. She was all over you. Dean says, you think? Hank's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do brotherly. really enjoy their, uh, 
their brand of, of brotherly love. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, uh, Savage, you've got a brother, you understand this. And, and I've got deep diver, uh, a villain. Do you have any siblings? Sister. You've got a Little. sister. So, I mean, you, you kind of get a taste of this. You guys give each other a hard time. We're very civil. We, we lived in separate countries growing up and we have like a 12 year age gap. We're, oh, that's right. Like, uh, yeah. I, I forget a lot of your families from across the pond. He's not yeah. like a sister so much as he is a cousin he is more related to. Fair, fair. Although we are oddly very similar for not having been raised or grown up together at all. There's just little things where you're like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, like they're the same related. beard. Yeah, she's got the nice beard. She has the deep chuckle. Um, <laughs> she also hates uh, buffet sneeze guards. Uh, sneeze guards, and uh, we don't do musicals. Actually, no, fuck that. She is a big musical kid. Shit, <laughs> I'd probably get that from her too. <laughs> you know, he's getting the wife to arch me with Hamilton now. Uh, Be- <laughs> Beast is having her come at me with Hamilton requests for music and stuff for uh, uh, another project we're working on right now. And That's I was like, so really, nice. you got to be fucking kidding me. And then all of a sudden I just get <laughs> Beast is in the corner requesting this. And I'm like, God damn it. You can't use your <laughs> wife to arch. <laughs> now, Beast, you know what you need to do? You need to start reaching out to his extended family on the other side of the pond. And like the next time he goes to visit, they're all in period costumes. Like, can you imagine a bunch of Brits doing a Hamilton musical? Oh, that would be so funny. I mean... That that would be uh, well worth the effort. So I guess uh, I'm going to set this whole like proposal thing aside because now I've got like some weird internet stalking to do. Uh, <laughs> no, what's um, new, right? Like <laughs> he's going to get a hold of your parents, and the next episode is going to have all these stories about you as a baby. But he has suddenly <laughs> changed like your memories a little bit. And then, of course, everyone will have forgotten the real story. So the only thing that you'll have left to hang on about your childhood will be the fake stories Beast tells about your childhood that you listen to on this podcast in 50 years. My life is going to become a weird Mandela effect. Like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, fun fact, uh, Vod was actually conceived in the back of a theme restaurant in England uh this might explain his hatred of musicals it was the mama mia pizzeria there you go mama mia <laughs> it's anchovies again yeah. <laughs> well, so they were having a lot of trouble getting pregnant which is like okay here we go again <laughs> and she was like are you sure we're married? she's like my, my, how can i forget you <laughs> so oh, wait what a song do we like, uh, what song do we use for the uh, the c-section uh like <laughs> uh how about cease and desist or uh let's see what song what's the best song for a c-section cuts like a knife by brian adams <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps semi-sonic uh uh closing time you don't oh, have to go. go home but you can't stay here <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> this room was not opened again until your sister came. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Roll credits. 
so we get our scare and that's the end of the episode dr venture is outside the closed bathroom door dean what the hell are you doing in there i need to take a shower dean says i'm practicing being a boyfriend pop to which dr venture replies never mind dean and walks off so what have we learned about dr o from this episode uh he has a dracula trophy it does around his neck <laughs> a Montel williams neck pen. <laughs> yeah uh no uh, i mean he, he he's you know a caring dad uh he's obviously kind of a you know concerned neighbor but not like you know the nosy mrs kravitz type but more along the lines of like you know uh he is the one who uh repairs the gossamer thread of reality <laughs> like you know and et cetera et cetera so yeah, I mean, uh, he's clearly like a good guy, uh, really all about his work. But that's also, you know, that that big lovable strength is also a apparently like a huge flaw in his personal relationships. Yeah, uh, we've learned that he is divorced. He's got a daughter who's roughly the same age as Hank and Dean, although she was born way after them. Uh, we've learned that he... Oh, Dean should have said something. She looks like she's totally into older guys. <laughs> right. Um, one of the things that you get about Dr. O right from the gate is an earnestness. And it is something that works in parallel to the same thing that we get from season one, Hank and Dean, right? They are very earnest. And that is the thing that I appreciate the most about season one, Hank and Dean. Yes, they are these like caricatures, but they are heartfelt, 100% all in. And so is Dr. O. Like, even though he has rented a room from a man who had an orphan heart power, his joy can, uh, like, he's still a nice guy. Like, he is the master's best student, but he is still humble and like in many ways you know we talked about there only being a few um self-actualized people in the entire series a few truly competent people like red death or dr mrs the monarch dr o and con conversely the outrider is also a competent guy well Just and also uh triana is very grounded granted her her situation and circumstances yeah. like she can still you know interact with what appears to be very non-magical kids like i mean uh we talk about one of the you know what the fans feel like are one of the greatest missed opportunities was kim right but like yeah. kim's not really you know uh as we learn kim's fate like kim's not really into the the quote-unquote like magical lifestyle, lifestyle. yeah, yeah um you know uh so i mean it, it's it's weird that you kind of bring up how how uh you know he fits the bill for like competent and and sincere and then how many other people in his orbit also have that i mean the master also super competent he's just an asshole he is not sincere though no no he very much an asshole but very like I mean, yeah think about this for a second when you're being mystical in that sense like is anybody ever that like sincere like if you ever think about that trope 
You know, uh, what was they're it? always Andy hiding. Warhol, what was it Andy Warhol said? I am deeply superficial. Yeah, it's kind of like when, uh, when you know, we used to spin together and I was like, hey, what's this song? And you were like, you don't know that? You should know that. I'm like, mother, just tell me the title. Go out and figure it out yourself. Like, you know, go out and unlock the mysteries of the universe and eat it off the half shell, you fucking plebeian. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fine. God, it's just a Billy Joel song. <laughs> I... I'm very enthusiastic about tunes, uh, but I, I always, I always share the music. I always share the music. Well, now that like, that's not really my, my gig anymore. You're like, yeah, yo, music. Yeah. Great. Stuff like that. But I guarantee you, if I were still like, you know, exercising that part of my life, you'd be like, why don't you know this already? You well, that's friend. because when it's your job, you should fucking know it. See, bam, there we go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> he got it out of him. Yeah. A little bit of direction, a little push. Um, I think well, it's also- dude, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like uh, if, Brock, <laughs> if Brock were working as an engineer, I'm sorry, if Hank, if Hank were working as an engineer and they were like, all right, hand me the Phillips head. He's like, what's that? Like, come on, dude. Well, no, and it was like, to be fair, the, the song I'm referencing directly from my, like, uh, memory I knew palace this was a certain thing. <laughs> was this, like, really weird, obscure, like, uh, indie track that everybody's heard because it was big for, like, two years and maybe in a car commercial or some shit. Uh, and now, like, they amount to fucking nothing. They were a blip on the goddamn radar. Like I barely hold the only reason I hold on to the name of the band, which is like M83. M83, Nightmare City. Midnight City. No, you're supposed to know the fucking name. You don't even know the name of the song, Savage. (laughs) (laughs) Get back to the closet. Go talk to the master. It was really good. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this song's dope. I've I've heard it around a few places. Yeah, what's the name of it? You should know. <laughs> he yeah. basically lowered a horse on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Catherine, let's talk about this. Don't, you, you don't, don't wince. bite up more than you can chew. <laughs> don't wince. Right. All mealy mouthed. All right. The character of Dr. O has its genesis in Doctor Strange and is like transmogrified, permutated through Mr. Rogers and uh, kind of Vincent Price. You've got all these elements thrown in there and the sum of their total is greater than the individual parts because this character works. And this character works so well we see Dr. O become one of the primary secondary figures in the entire Ventureverse, and it never stops working. Well, there's a little bit of backstory on why this potentially is, and especially why they probably put so much emphasis and effort into the character. Um, the way he talks, the, the style, the mannerism, the everything, uh, apparently it's something that both Jackson and Doc really enjoy doing is putting together these very over-the-top stylistically uh, soliloquies most of the time. He never really speaks in short sentences. It's always this nice 
long, big, huge speech for just the most mundane anything that he's about to say. And the fact that it was something shared between the two of them. And whenever I've heard them mention, I always get sad in the commentaries whenever they talk about uh, fans not liking a character. So they might not put as much into that one or things like that. Uh, but they always seem to be very pro Dr. O. Uh, from fan interactions, once we get into the later seasons and they're talking about him, even the, the introduction on this one, they were both very like, we finally have a character where we get to put our natural voice because it's so easy for us to do this. And then you see what happens with the character and how well they uh, form him into this. I mean, the great father we've been talking about, uh, the when everything goes sideways at Halloween, he's the master's favorite for... Um, being at the top of his class essentially um it, it all makes sense when you realize that oh I, the guys who make the show love this character uh they were of course they were always going to take care of their 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 dr o baby yeah and you know you're sitting there looking at it of every character that we get introduced to this is the character where the writers get to express their love of language the most yeah. So, uh, the gossamer threads of sinew doth dangle overhead like the twinkling lights upon the night sky. Like they could give one other mystical guy a quarter of that kind of speech and style, and but they don't. They make it very um, clear that this guy's out on his own like this. This isn't just the magical community and how they are. No, None this of his is his talk point. like that. This yeah. is this is him. This is a personal choice right now. This is how he's going to live his life. Um, well, and, and just, I mean, uh, clearly his guns. parents. Well, clearly his parents were into uh, transcendentalist poetry. His first name is Byron. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, That's so I, I'd imagine poetry. they're very verbose people. And uh, you you remember when we used to actually play this game, Savage? Yeah. Uh, like, but we did it in a different way. Like. Um, so we would take mundane jobs that we had to do based on like the event industry at large and then try to make them sound as technical and flowery as possible. So like, uh, and this was actually started by a, a friend of ours named Alex, um, who uh, I, don't even, I don't, don't even know if he's still in the area, but he's graduated NC State. He's an engineer now. So we used to sit around and he was like, you know, we would uh, do... Uh, inflatable movie screens and stuff for HOAs and hand out popcorn. Well, instead of handing out popcorn uh, tonight, I was an aerated corn facilitator. <laughs> and we would just think about the most ridiculous ways to describe a menial job. Um, and that's really like, you know, I was I've a seen... practitioner of the custodial arts. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about adding the arts at the end of it. It just gets so goddamn pretentious. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, there are a lot of things that legit require an art to them. Oh, for sure. I'm just not entirely sure custodial is quite one of them. I've done custodial-ish type work before. I don't see it as an I mean, maybe there's an art to mopping a floor perfectly, I guess. Efficiency is well, job it, number one. <laughs> Is uh, as, as somebody who practices the uh, custodial arts uh, in, in the present, um, it's really more of an art form centered around anticipating other people's behavior. Uh, cleaning up a, a like after a pre-K school is its own kind of thing. For instance, 
you clean up a lot around the toilets because uh, little boys have terrible aim. Um, <laughs> uh, also, uh, I mean, you know, just to go on with as pretentious as I can make it sound, I actually know like where the word, you know, janitor and, and the idea of custodian comes from. And these people used to have swords. I want swords in my job. This is a thing we are lacking. Like, we need to go back to the old customs. We need to go back to the old ways. Worship the old gods. Sweep the floors with swords. <laughs> well, like, back in the day, like, you know, janitors uh, would actually, like, sit there and watch the door. Like, they'd be, like, nighttime guards or, you know, they would stand, they would keep the, the you know, essentially they'd be the keeper of the keys. Um you know, so the whole custodian keyring thing actually has a significantly like deeper meaning than than most people realize, which is very weird. Uh, but then, like, you know, I would still do the floors. I'd still vacuum, <laughs> but I get to carry around a sword and like a ball and keyring. Like, yeah, no, like this job used to be way cooler, and then like the man stripped it down. <laughs> I always try to make sure I work the word lance into anything if we're ever going to lance anything at work. Uh, and, 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 and we, I mean, we do some kind of cool metal like, ass is shit. Is this in the, the metal... new Lance Bass song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. disappointed I was when I learned that lancing in the medical community was not charging at each other on horses. It's very disappointing, but I still feel cool getting to use the word. Like, at least I get to use the word. I've, always, I've also thought it was really weird that one of the primary medical journals is The Lancet. Is that for, like, epi like is, that, is that for uh, the, the dermatology field? <laughs> right? Yeah, I just... Is I, that I've the fancy, like, Dr. Pimple Popper? <laughs> the, the, the the doctor when anybody else is there a doctor here they shouldn't raise their hand because they can't do anything <laughs> and i'm a dermatologist he's having a heart attack oh nope mm. yeah fuck a kid in their first year at medical school would be more help than a dermatologist at that point <laughs> yeah, that's right i'm burning you dermatologist <laughs> medical burns <laughs> like teddy uh, talks a lot I think that that's as good a place as any to wrap up today's episode. <laughs> We're uh, just going to wound down there. Man, I, I hope that you guys are really digging this part of the conversation because I know I have too. Well, no, really I was really hoping to, to bring it back around to orphans. Like, <laughs> I've got more orphan material. I don't, but I just like making you uncomfortable. Morphins. <laughs> that takes mighty morphin Power Rangers to like. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think they powered that giant robot up? Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's so awful. Okay. Uh, Mighty Orphan Power Rangers. <laughs> Mighty Orphaned Power Rangers. Orphan Powered Rangers. Well, I, All right, I, we saved the episode. Good job, guys. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you else so much for joining us at, for whoa, a... Whoa, 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 hang on. You know who was an orphan? Batman, Alexander Hamilton. Oh, what was his me. name? Alexander Hamilton. No, no, no. What, 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 what was his it. name? 
this is a song, isn't it? <laughs> I know that this has got to be a song you're doing back and forth because he's repeating his name over and over and shit. Yeah. God damn it. You're doing a song. <laughs> this was evil fuck arching. <laughs> I like to see a mind at work. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, okay, I mean, I tried to pitch him a reason that he should like Hamilton's because he dies at the end, right? And I told him it's based on a historical event. Of course, he fucking dead already. Like, but I was <laughs> like, still alive. I like the Prestige. It's a hundred dead Hugh Jackmans, like in a box. You know what? Look, Vaughn, don't get upset. Like, I guarantee there's like a million things you haven't done, but. Just you wait. Just you wait. <laughs> Hamilton. But, um... <laughs> You're going to know the whole musical. Maybe not in the right order, but when you do finally sit down and watch it, you'll be like, why do I know this? Why do I know all of this? <laughs> It'll be like being in the eye of a hurricane. So I'm going to have to find out all of my previous memories from this podcast and you're going to be filling my head with Hamilton that I never knew that I saw. What the fuck did I get into with this podcast? Well, I got to tell you, Vaughn, I look into your eyes and I see that like the sky's the limit. Like you're helpless in the face of this. Helpless in the face of destiny or what the fuck was just, just, just helpless. You're just helpless. So helpless. <laughs> So, son of a bitch, you're doing it again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for another spectacular episode of Conjectural Technologies, a venture industries podcast where we have been ever so subtly helping Vaudevillain come to his senses. Like, there's. He came here they... to choke the orphan and instead is getting choked by an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> well and so we were joined as always by yours truly the imitable doc sav uh, professor brock sampson we were joined as always by my longtime what? companion what what the cuddly beast Lamode. That all, up. all right so back from the top professor brock sampson ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining <laughs> us tonight for a spectacular episode of congestional technologies a venture industry podcast i have been and will remain one of your co-hosts inimitable Professor Brock Sampson, Brock Savage, God bless America. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out to join us tonight. I have been your host, the Immortal Professor Brock Savage. We were joined, as always, by my longtime companion, the unconquerable, the cuddly, the audacious Beast Lamote, a ragtag volunteer in need of a shower who is somehow powerful enough to defeat a global superpower. And we were joined as per usual by none other than our very own vaudevillain, a man who was a bastard and an orphan, <laughs> a, a son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by Providence, impoverished in squalor, who grew up to be a hero and a sholar. I just heard my eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I imagine I, death so much it feels like a memory. <laughs> you know, and I gotta tell you, one of the things I really appreciate about Vod is like he knows that if you don't stand for nothing, what do you fall for? He knows this. Thank you guys. <laughs> I can just smell these out now. I'm gonna be like, I'll just like hear people say things in the real world. And I'm like, that's gonna be a line in Hamilton. I know it. I can hear Hamilton lines that I've never heard before. My goal is to ruin Hamilton for you so that when you watch it, instead of being like able to let yourself like, because you have been so against it for so long, I don't know that you deserve it anymore. Oh no. Well, and then what's going to happen is I'm going to start working in references that aren't. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'll be like, wait, what? Was that a scorpion song? <laughs> you, don't, you don't want him to be waiting in the wings, do you? You know what? I'm just going to start only making references from the, uh, the musical scene in Tank Girl. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be the only thing I reference from now on. I got to go back, rewatch that. That's all you're getting next week from me. Screw you and your kangaroos. Let's bounce. <laughs> <laughs> that's solid. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. On behalf of all of us here at Conjectural Technologies and the Helper Network, go, go team. Good night, everybody. Conjectural Technologies Podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by me, Beast Mode, Professor Brock Savage, and Vaude Villain. Edited by Beast Mode and Vaude Villain. Intro music produced by Professor Brock Savage. Email us at conjecturaltechpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at conjecttech underscore pod and go team venture. Pew pew pew.